I'm Jason. And I'm Luke. We're the guys from That Film Stew, and this is our latest review, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Directed by James Mangold, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is the action-adventure film which serves as the fifth and final installment in the Indiana Jones franchise, starring Harrison Ford in what is said to be his final portrayal of the title character. The movie is in cinemas now, but if you haven't watched Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny yet and you want to, go watch it first before listening to our full review. We will be talking spoilers. Before we get into it, make sure you subscribe and download this podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, wherever you can find us, and feel free to leave us a review. And follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as That Film Studio Podcast. So, Luke, what is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny all about? Daredevil archaeologist Indiana Jones races against time to retrieve a legendary dial that can change the course of history. Accompanied by his goddaughter, played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, he soon finds himself squaring off against Jorgen Voller, played by Mads Mikkelsen, a former Nazi who works for NASA. I mean, adventure, Nazis, sounds about right. There we go. Race against time. I mean, this time, I mean, time is, is a big factor a big aspect of this film the story the concept the premise harrison ford is not a young man um in fact he's yeah he's an old man let's just call it he, he's doing fantastic for himself don't get oh, he wrong. really but of course he is he's, this yeah. movie is about old man indy this is an indiana jones we have not seen i mean we thought we had seen it 15 years ago he was pushing it you know like ah he's 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 getting on too old for this stuff. 15 years later, they're doing it again. What they're saying is the final time. Yeah. I just feel as though there's so much to say. We don't have time because we're here to review this movie. Indiana, Indiana Jones, Jones is going to die of old age before we get to it. That's <laughs> it's, it's the first time we together have reviewed Indiana Jones. Rewind and review. You did Raiders with Rob quite a while ago now. So the character has been covered on the podcast, but just the two of us. I know you're a fan. You know that I'm a fan. So with that, I just feel like... Am I a fan? Am I a fan, though? I, I Look, thought so, no. Really? Here's, here's where I stand with Indy. Like, oh, I no. enjoy... No, no, look, I, I won't say I'm not. Look, I like, I like the films. I enjoy the character. I've enjoyed the films. I'm just not like... I don't know. I'm not. Um, I don't know. They just. They don't really. I don't get super excited about Indiana Jones. The music. Every time I hear it, I'm like, it's great. John Williams, fantastic. One of the greats, of course. But I know, like, for some people, and, and you're quite possibly one of them, where it's just, you know, like the Indiana Jones character is such an iconic. Yes, absolutely. You know, like, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, like, put him on a pedestal. Uh, the characterization of the you know the 80s as a as a period for films and those adventure films and you know yeah just the whole period setting thing that kind of genre I get it he's a whole thing I don't know I just I think I just missed that boat and I've I've watched the movie sort of retrospectively I guess after they've all come out like I yeah I don't know I've enjoyed them I liked it don't get me wrong 
I mean, I uh, watched them retrospectively as well. I mean, Raiders was what, like 81? I was born in 84. I would have been, you know, in the 90s probably when I watched it and was able to remember it. Well, I honestly thought we were coming from the same place. This is going to be interesting then, yeah. to be honest, because, I mean, I do have a love of this character. I will say, you know, Indiana Jones, and I'm not alone in this opinion, he is one of the greatest action adventure characters ever to be put on screen. The comparison here, I know you've you've referred to this before when talking about like me and, and movies and stuff, right? So like me and the Jurassic franchise, right? And then when you're coming in sort of like, yeah, look, I enjoy the movies, but you know, I'm not as, you know, like, I feel like it, we're, we're the opposite here. This oh, is absolutely. More, it's, I'm finding this very... Like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, look, I've enjoyed them. Cool. I'm here for the ride. This is interesting. And as I said, we haven't <laughs> reviewed indie together. And that's why this is all coming out. This is all fresh. Oh, stop the so how How we experienced this film then, or how we enjoyed it, mm. didn't enjoy it, we're both coming from two very different places. I mean, where I wanted to start the discussion wasn't all this, because I didn't even know this was going to be a thing. <laughs> I thought we were just going to be on the same page. So where I'd like to start is with the Paramount logo. If we could just go from there, right? because this is a different indie film and different to Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, because that was still just Paramount. This is Disney. So it, honestly, it did throw me sitting down in the cinema and just seeing yes. the Disney 100 logo. I'm like, ah, oh, Right, okay, and we do get the Paramount logo, but what the other four indie films have done is that they have the Paramount logo dissolving into objects with a similar shape. This is the first film where it didn't happen, and I've got to be honest, it did throw me. It is then followed by the Lucasfilm that dissolves into a latch. So I guess they kind of figured... If we're not going to do anything with Paramount, let's use the Lucasfilm. But straight away, that did throw me. It did. And then you've got Disney. Oh, I don't know. It threw me. It's almost like this movie was directed by someone other than Steven Spielberg and was produced by a company that wasn't just Paramount. It's crazy. No, but like, I think it was weird as well. If Like, when you compare other, you know, uh, you know, film studios that are owned by Disney, Marvel Studios. Hey, even Lucasfilms when it comes to you know, Star Wars and stuff, you don't get, you know, the new Star Wars movies starting with, you know, like the Disney castle. You don't get the Marvel MCU films starting with the Disney castle. I thought it was bizarre that this movie yeah. opened with that. Okay, then. I almost thought we were going to get a short. I'm like, are we getting a Disney <laughs> short before this? Okay. Like, and I've just, I missed that memo. Bizarre. I was but, thinking again, I was maybe... Does it change the movie? No, but like, it changes the like opening. You're right to acknowledge it. It's well, strange. <laughs> again, we've had four films, and it's fun. How are they going to do it this time? You know, what is the Paramount logo going to dissolve what, you know, into? What is it going to be? I do, what I do appreciate, the, op- the, the title of the film very consistent with the other four movies absolutely like yeah simple i believe same font i could be mistaken it is the I, same font it's not the yes, font you get in you know on the blu-rays on the movie posters it's different font to that and you're right it's consistent throughout one more thing on the disney thing so when this film was first released 
Harrison Ford was 80. A couple of weeks into its release, turns 81. That makes him the oldest person to play the lead ever in a Disney film. But that's enough about Disney. We can get on to... (laughs) I mean, but it's interesting, though, isn't it? It's not... I mean, he's probably one of the oldest people to play a lead, period. Not the oldest, but probably... He's up, he's one of... He would be one of them. Surely. Like, this is a... Like, we've seen movies with, like, older characters, but, you know, the man's in his 80s now. Like, that is... He's an 80-year-old action star. And let's stay on that, right? Because you've got the opening scene. We had seen it in the trailers. It's young indie. Yep. They've got so much footage from those movies and, I guess, other films or appearances that Harrison Ford has had, and they're able to use that. I mean, in the trailers, I thought the de-aging looked... Fantastic. But it's a lot of quick shots. It's a little bit different when you watch it watching it on the big screen as part of the movie. And it it probably looks maybe even the best that it's that's been achieved so far for such yeah. a long period of time. I mean, in the past, you know, people have praised like young Michael Douglas, young Robert Downey Jr. But there's <laughs> those scenes yes. look weird. Well, there's more texture here. There's, you know, there's like there's a gloss, there's sweat, there's stubble. You know, there's there's more yeah. going on. So it looks pretty youthful, doesn't it? And we've seen Indy in the periods that that they've aged him down to. But he sounds like an eighty year old man <laughs> when he's <laughs> And I'm like, you've gone to all the effort. I mean, again, like it's not perfect, but it's pretty close. Like it does look great. I mean. You know it's not real. So it, it plays yeah, with your head and, and what you do, a little bit. At least this is what I was like. You can't help but sort of just stare at his head because you're looking for the imperfection. And it's and when he, when, then, yeah, when he moves yeah, his yeah, head, he, it, it's like, a bit jittery. It's not, it's not quite natural and stuff. Yeah, there's something a bit off. Overall, though, like I was looking at it trying to, and I couldn't help it, but like just trying to find the faults in it and I could see bits and pieces. But then overall, I'm just sitting back being like, it's pretty damn good, though. Like, it's pretty good. It is maybe pretty in good. five years we'll look back and go, oh. Like, well, but, visually, though, know, in the moment, visually, really they've de-aged him, but not his voice, which I thought that's yeah, definitely a choice is- that, that they made. Because it's like, we've got him here. Let's just have him sound how he sounds. So he's looking like he used to do in those earlier movies, but he's not sounding like he does. It's like he when they, you know, they de-aged Sam Jackson in, Captain Marvel and yeah. he looks pretty good in that to be honest that was a couple of years ago now and he was looking like a young Sam Jackson and then whenever he would move and run he runs like an old man <laughs> because <laughs> it can't be helped Sam Jackson is no longer a young man it's just I don't know it's like you're almost there I'm sure they could have done done something but yeah, anyway we, we, we agree it does it does look pretty good. It does. But I think like for what they wanted to achieve, I think they I think they did it. Like it it really worked. And I gotta say that opening sequence, 15, 20 minutes, whatever it was, like I mean, I think this scene is why the movie's runtime has, you know, blew up to what it is. It's a good opening. It's like it felt like a it felt like the opening to a Bond film, like it was this contained, almost like this mini movie kind of short. And it was a way, because let's admit it, you know, in this film, like we are hand, we are dealing with like 
an old man indie and and they treat the character as such to the point that we're even though he's in the action he's not doing the stuff that we're familiar with the indiana jones character doing so this was a way that we got to spend some time with young indy doing he's running over train you know a moving train he's jumping on things he's punching nazis in the face left right and center like he's doing stuff we got to see that we got to have a little bit of the old indie in this ironically the the young indie <laughs> you know what i'm trying to say the, i do the, yeah it, it's, it yes yeah we got to experience that and that was great and to me i'll admit this was my first in the theater on the big screen indiana jones outing and i i feel grateful for experiencing this opening sequence on the big yeah. screen because i was like i had I was like, I'm in. I'm feeling the fun and the ride and the enjoyment that this character brings. Mine was they're doing it. Crystal Skull. Uh, I'm glad that it was because I got <laughs> to see Indy directed by Steven Spielberg on on sure. the big screen. Watched it again recently, and I think this most rewatch, knowing it's not the last one. I was able to enjoy it more, I think. Maybe it's just it knowing it. it's it not helps. the last one. But then <laughs> you've still it's got... Fine. It's a you've... weird movie, oh, but it's fine. You, I know, but like you've, you've established your indie credentials. <laughs> like, that's it's it, kind of like it's something it. you can watch and enough. enjoy. <laughs> but when you've got Shia LaBeouf going all Tarzan and he's swinging with the monkeys anyway, that's a whole, that's a whole other, other film. Never mind the whole alien skulls and... Just all of that. Yeah, I know, but, but this, I know, but the, the fridge. <laughs> but it's indie logic, though, isn't it? And some people do get a little bent out of shape about it, but they've they're always a bit far fetched. I mean, I've got to be honest; it, it does still throw me with the aliens. But there's always been like supernatural elements like throughout all of them and then this one they've gone full back to the future and they go they go back in time i mean i didn't see that coming at all and i'm glad that i was <laughs> we'll get to, we'll get to <laughs> i was not but, spoiled yeah. but you know speaking of the you know the setting that we've got so what they've done is they've obviously pieced the movie you know, except for the second one that's a prequel and all that kind of rubbish but essentially they've pieced this one in almost like in real time from you know 15 years later from you know crystal skull so we've landed in 1969 the moon landing that's all happening it's the day of actually it's like it's a it's a whole actual point yeah what i like about having this setting obviously we get to you know like costume wise and characters and all the backgrounds and set pieces you get in that 60s transitioning into the 70s kind of vibe hippies and you know beatles music and stuff it's it's all it's all happening in a far out way. Um, but what I like is that, and if I'm wrong in thinking this, because what they're doing here with the character is obviously changing him drastically, but they've made him, you know, grumpy, you know, Clint Eastwood kind of get off my lawn kind of old man indie where he's knocking on the door, turn the music down, you know, like he's just gruff and pissed off and he hates everything. But then there's this whole, I think, a really clever undertone of like, you know, he's all about the past and history and how that shapes the world and everything that's happening with like the space race, the moon landing is all about beyond the future going yeah. in the other direction. And it's sort of like, is he becoming irrelevant, expired, extinct? And it's this whole crisis. I, mean, that, I love how they've yeah. that. And that's where we're at like though. That. Because, you know, 
he's no longer the adventurer like, looking to the past. Oh, literally and retiring. He's literally after, retiring yep, in this movie. <laughs> 10 years of teaching. <sighs> Last Crusade, right, for me, is the perfect ending. You've got those three films, and he literally rides off into the sunset with his dad. You know, they didn't really have the best relationship growing up. And then they do. They bond through, you know, during that movie. And it ends with a, a happy ending. But then Crystal Skull happens. And once again, he ends on a happy ending. Him and Marion <laughs> get married. It's a nice, happy ending. But I guess drama, motivation, like characters can't just be happy. So this movie opens with a down on his look, miserable old man indie. And I'm like, oh, and then you find out what's happened to get him to that point. And there's a reason why Shia LaBeouf isn't in this film. Mutt Williams, he died. He enlisted, he died. And unfortunately, Indy and Marion, their relationship until this movie couldn't survive that. It was it was just too much. And it almost feels um, like a Spielberg movie, you know, like divorce is right there. Yeah, it's, the it's all there, but it's it's that thing of like, you know, we've got these you know, these childhood heroes, you know, from film. And you do think, you know, oh, where where are they now? Or where would they be now? Like when you you, you got to see where Rocky was at in the Creed films and things mm. like that. And that worked for me, it really did. Uh, but sometimes it's like, you just like to just remember them for how they were. So I did find, I was struggling with this film a little bit during and after. I got home and my wife was like, how was it? I, I just, I, I mean, I've got a better idea now. And I certainly didn't <laughs> think it was a bad, you know, badly made film. Like, I mean, you know, the performances, the casting, the story, uh, the effects, the music, John Williams back. But as you say, it's a character, it's a franchise that I feel yeah. really, really close to. And that's where I can see sort of someone like yourself or, you know, really big avid fans people who grew up with these movies, with this character, idolising, you know, like I, I said, you know, putting this character on that pedestal that, you know, he rightly deserves to be up there with other great, you know, fictional characters. But to me, I don't have that connection. So I'm like, eh, like I've just enjoyed these movies for what they are. So I guess maybe it's easy for me to see him and just have a bit more fun with the fact that it's like, ah, now he's just a grumpy old man. I mean, obviously the circumstances <laughs> in this film that yeah. set him up as that, oh, I get why he's pissed off. Like his son's died, you know, like he only had a, you know, about a decade or so with him. You know, like his marriage fell apart. Like it's, yeah, it's shitty. And to, yeah, and sometimes it is frustrating to have these characters be sort of a bit of tug and war of like every time you catch up with them in the next movie, like so much different stuff has happened. And it's just like, ah, we were there. And now, yeah, there's no, it's sort of like setbacks. But at the end of the day, it's like, they're giving real characterization to this kid. Like things are happening. Life evolves and moves on. They are. And they started in a place that isn't the best for him. And the hope when watching it and it can't, well, it does go that way is that he does get his happily ever after. It does have mm. a happy ending. So as I'm watching it and, uh, it's all about how we you know, get to that happy ending, though. And uh... I mean, it is. And <laughs> I mean, watching it, so we've got the character of Helena Shaw. 
his goddaughter, played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, or Wombat, as he affectionately calls her. Um, some people online have found her to be annoying, but I don't know. She kind of, she does, she does fit, you know, that companion role well. She, she's a little bit annoying, no, to be honest, <laughs> but she does, she does fit it. But I guess some people may see her as in delight and, you know, and, but she's in a position like she's punching people when old man Indy isn't quite in a position to punch anybody in that particular moment. And, and that's what, that's her role. That's her role is to that's what she's the action therefore. She's the one on the motorbike. She's the one. And she's knowledgeable about history, <laughs> yeah. but she's not swinging from the trees like Mutt Williams did. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. With this character, right? Like, this, this is the problem with her um, that, that I had very early on in the movie you know like the thing and it's not her performance phoebe phoebe waller bridge is doing a great job and i think it's what she's doing that makes me like the character enough to be like all right but from the start it's what they do with the character or what the character does i should say like sets indy up in a situation where he's either left for dead or set up and framed like pretty much back said it's it's a character that comes out of nowhere it, it introduced as this god daughter who has this great connection even though they're estranged they have this very strong connection but it's like we've never heard of her before she's the daughter of uh, a character who again played by toby toby jones but an- yeah, another Basel character sure. we've never heard of before this but is that's a new okay character. yeah but again it's this throning character right so there's already no establishment to where we have to we have to believe that connection is there she's then doing things that are pissing us off because we're like what? like she sets herself up as an unlikable character and then what the movie has to do is work overtime to get you to like it so they have all these little scenes where they're talking intimately about you know shared feelings fondness memories of the dad like his wife his son you know like trying to respark their sort of godfather goddaughter relationship yeah the movie has to work really hard to get the audience to like her again and it's really difficult because she is such an over-the-top character over the top and and but flawed she's she's a flawed character and it's something that indy recognizes early on like she's lost and she's searching for the very thing that pushed her dad over the edge it's like you're going down the same path. Like it's not about glory. Yeah, it's not about glory and fortune. Like honestly, I mean, it's always been Indy's thing. It belongs in a museum. Like it should be. <laughs> That's like his his whole thing. Like, it's not about hey, glory and fortune. It, <laughs> yeah, it, well, it's a thing. It's his, I think it's like his go-to line. Like if you know, if he, you know, an action figure of like a pull string. That would be what he said. You'd like a, a Woody Toy Story doll <laughs> pulled his string. It belongs in a museum. <laughs> oh, I, I get it. I do get it. And and hey, I do find it annoying. Also, they do find a way to redeem her. I just didn't need her to be the new Indiana Jones, and that's not what the film does. But she does have her very own short round in Teddy. <laughs> she has a very yeah. own short round, so it's. A little bit like 
Willie in Temple of Doom and Short Round and then Indy. So the three of them, a man, a woman, a child, going off an adventure. So he did remind me of that second film. I mean, on that, right, like, like a great thing about this movie, and and look, maybe there are a little bit too many locations, but I did feel like the adventure aspect of this film was really like well done like there is an adventure there's lots of action there's again you get these three characters and yeah you know it's frustrating to in some aspects of it but they're together they're doing this thing you know the kid gets kidnapped and then the kid gets his his own way out of it he overcomes his fear of swimming like it's great like there's there's fun little and the eels happening. they're just like snakes oh, yeah. they're nothing like snakes because that's oh. um that's his hobby. Yeah, they, he hates yeah. he hates snakes. But you're right, though. I mean, yeah, the the globe trotting action adventure. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, it does feel like Indiana Jones, and it looks as though they're going places. I mean, this movie we know it's expensive. It looks expensive. The different environments, the tone, the feel. It is spot on for indie. First one not to be directed by Spielberg. It does feel like one of those like one of those other films for the most part it's <laughs> it's the the blocking of a shot like even just going back and watching crystal skull like you can you could just watch that and just every now and then just hit pause and it it's beautiful like the way mm. that spielberg frames it and i mean james mangold he's a great director in his yeah. own right but he's coming on and directing in indiana jones Spielberg film, but he's bringing his own thing to it. Oh, I don't know where I'm going with that, but it does, you know, it's still, you know, very well made, but it's it's different. I mean, there's only one Spielberg I mean, for a reason. Exactly. There, there's no denying that, like, you know, Steve uh, Spielberg is the, like, he's the goat man. Like, he's, you know, no one directs like him. And you can tell when you watch his movies that there's a look to it of how his vision, there's a point of why he's pointing the camera in a certain way and then the way he's using his lens and stuff. But James Mangold, like, even though he is, he's basically adapting what has come before and doing his own thing, as, as you said, like his style of, I just film really see. So he might not have like a, an exact signature that you, you can identify, especially in this where he is kind of duplicating but then doing his own thing it, it's more just like what I, when i was watching this i was just like just the way things were just being filmed the types of framings here was and this is where it gets all technical i was just like no this just looks beautiful every like there's just so many sequences and, and i think it comes down to like the locations and a little bit of how the effects and stuff are, are used i mean look at the end of the day look there are some moments that look yeah green screeny here and there but for the most part i'm like this is a pretty good looking movie as in aesthetically i'm like this looks nice these locations look legit bear in mind they had to de-age the locations as well if that makes sense well like, that's i mean they had to yes make them, they had to make them look 60 years younger or 50 years old let me do some maths you 60. know I, I, I was i was meaning to bring this up i was hoping i wasn't going to forget have have you seen the 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 Harrison Ford masks. No, the Harrison Ford masks that the stump stump people or stump men were wearing in this film. It is pure nightmare yeah. fuel. 
It is Ooh. horrendous. So you've got like a mannequin's head with an old 80-year-old Harrison Ford rubber mask stretched over it. And then you've got guys wearing these masks in its Harrison's face, but you could see like someone else's eyes sunken in the mask. So it's like this old, wrinkly-looking Harrison Ford. So when you've thing, got old man Harrison Ford on horseback, <laughs> you know some of it would have been Harrison Ford, but some of it, it's a stuntman wearing a mask of Harrison Ford's face. Terrifying. That, yeah, okay, get that. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll send you some up. images. Like, I'll send. I'll, I'll tomorrow, send you some I images. Wanna, I don't look it up before bed. <laughs> Speaking of nightmares, Nazis. Um, <laughs> so. So we've got Mads Mikkelsen um, playing the the main antagonist. I mean, we've been there before. It's it's not it's not an unusual thing. But um, look, the man makes a good German. He makes a good Nazi. Uh, Jürgen Voller. Um, this guy's introduced in the opening scene. We we get to see him later. He's involved in stuff with like the CIA. He's got his he's got like an entourage of who we think are CIA, like, operatives, officers, or whatever. Um, then we find out, like, you know, they're working for him, and there's this whole thing with the with the dial thingamabob, you know, the MacGuffin of the movie, all that kind of stuff. So he wants that. I do like the, I guess, like, what turns out to be his motivation for... He, he's not just a Nazi, but he's a Nazi that wants... He wants to go back and have the Nazis win. So his plan, go back, kill Hitler, because Hitler lost. And he wants to succeed where he lost. Yes. And at the time, he could see all the ways that Hitler was going wrong. He couldn't do anything about it then. So he wants to go back. And then, yeah, he's got his entourage. He's got Kleber, uh, played by Boyd Holbrook. Unhappy. <laughs> That character, that happy, character yeah. is. And you know, what is consistent across all the Indiana Jones films is that, I mean, because this is a very competent guy, but like all the indie villains that have come before him, when he gets the MacGuffin or the thing that is going to turn the tide, they don't actually know how to use it. And that's why... He goes too far back in time because it doesn't quite work the way that it worked or the way that he wants it to work. It's why in that first film, the Nazi gets his face melted off. It's why in Last Crusade. It would have happened anyway. We're not having that conversation. There's no time. Right. <laughs> That's for another podcast. But then in I Last Crusade, <laughs> the guy ages rapidly. But they, they missed one, don't they? So Vader's, it was Nazis. Templar Doom, it wasn't. You you have the cult, and then it was Nazis again with Crusade. It was the Cold War era, so it was the Russians with Crystal Skull. But now the Nazis are back, and yeah, in the every second movie, it's a good pattern. Is like once it. again punching them in the face, and his trick of holding up his hat, lowers the hat, punches them in the face, works every time. Love it, classic. Yeah. Classic indie. We, we, get, we get it in that sequence. Is that You've got to punch now, look, Nazis. It's as Nazis in the film, Indy has to punch them. There, there's something that feels, you know, after four movies, there is something that feels good. Look, it is good, you know, when Spielberg made that second one, he decided to make it a prequel because he was like, look, I, 
I don't want this to become repetitive. I want to mix it up, give the audience something different in the second movie. So let's go back before Nazi times so we can play in a different sort of sandpit. Then we got the, you know, like you said, with the Russians because we were, you know, past World War II. So I don't know, but something feels good when, when it's Indiana Jones standing there, you know, Harrison Ford, and he's just like, done Nazis. You know, like he's just, there's something about it that just yeah. feels good, punching them in the face, ragging off the Nazis, talking, you know, like, oh, what's wrong with that guy? He's a Nazi. Like, it's just like, yeah, yeah, that means he's a douche. <laughs> it feels good. It feels right. It feels like well, the it's... sandbox that he should be playing in. Yeah, and I it's, it. it's very black and white, isn't he? It's the Indigo. one time I want Nazis. Nazi bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, yeah, it's very black and white, very easy. Uh, I mean, no, I won't go down that. I was going to say, oh, there can be complexities to Nazis and people that were. But anyway, that's a whole other conversation. But in cinema, it's in black cinema, and white. Nazi bad. Yes. You know, you mentioned Bond before. It's a quick sidebar, which I found really interesting. Spielberg wanted to direct a Bond film and the estate essentially said no so when he did his opening of temple of doom it was essentially spielberg doing bond you've got indy he's wearing the tux he's got the white jacket you know it's very very james bond and that whole opening sequence with the dance number then you get to the third film for him there was only one actor that he wanted to cast as the father of Indiana Jones, and that was James Bond, Sean Connery. Like Spielberg knew how to give a finger yeah. without actually doing it. He's a very classy man. <laughs> yes, he kind of get a sample of what his Bond could have been like in, in that opening. Can we talk time travel? Because obviously it's a big, it's the supernatural aspect of this. It's the new element of wackiness that they're throwing in here. And I love time travel. The little part of me is like, I'm all for it. Yay. And I like it too. I just didn't expect it in in this movie. And I definitely didn't expect Indy. He's shot. He's not fatal. Or I guess he's not fatal in modern times if he's back in 69. But the time that he goes back to, that could potentially kill him and he's like just leave me i want to stay here which i know he was wounded and he wasn't quite himself bit delirious but it didn't seem like an indie thing to do because it's all about you know preserving history or they're in a museum like it's always about that whereas the slightest thing can change you know, could ripple through time and like and change things. So it just seemed surprising for him. Like, yeah. I get that he thought in the past without Marion, without his son, there's nothing to go back for. But at the same time, for him to live out his days as a man out of time, it's gonna affect things. He just seemed a bit careless for a guy that is so driven to do the right thing and preserving history. And yeah, he just seemed like an odd. Odd choice. I mean, what I assume, as you said, like you know, like he—he's he's a lost man. He doesn't feel like he—he he has anything to live for anymore. He's retiring. He's at the end of his his journey, and then he's in this place that he's, you know, the t- a time period where he's he's spent 
years studying he's like just been there he's just like i don't know something magical about it. like i can kind of see a motivation for staying at the same time there's this whole other aspect right you know like when if we're talking about the rules of the time travel that this movie is sort of exploring and presenting to us when they first uncover like the you know the tomb that has you know like the the birds with the propellers and stuff on it they see the they find a watch in the tomb that shouldn't be there and then later we realize like that's all because they do go back in time thus kind of setting up that everything's already happened so that kind of makes me think that this movie saying is that it doesn't matter if you do go back in time because it's already happened there's no consequences that can actually occur which means depending on what Indy decided to do or or whatever that would have been the decision that always would have happened so if he did stay there he would have stayed there and died and everything would have played out what I'm thinking is that it doesn't really matter what he decided I do I feel like the the movie set up the rule that everything was playing out as it was supposed to either way where I have issue with is how it does eventually all just resolve itself and it does play off as a little bit of a a little bit of, of, of a gag where you you know you've got god what's her name the annoying one helena helena um, <laughs> where she knocks him out yeah the issue i have here is okay when we next see him he wakes up back in his apartment back in the present day and then it goes in you know like, there's a whole we get to the actual ending but what they're removing there is his choice see like in each movie well, not really like take the temple of doom you know he he's at the he's at this point where he's like you know oh, i want that thing i want to have the recognition for it i want to you know this is the thing that's going to make me the the idol tablet thing well, i forget what it was but then at the end of the movie he decides to give it back to the village because that's where it belongs and he sort of learns in himself that's like you know these things need to go whether it's a museum or back to the rightful owners or whatever it is, the even Last Crusade, you know, like when he's he's hanging on, literally like he's literally hanging on and he's got the, he's reaching out for the Holy Grail and he has to make that decision. Do I grab that thing that I've been hunting for or do I just let it go? Because there's something more important. My life, I've got something to live for. In this movie, that's taken away from him, that that choice, that ability to, have that sort of character growth and decide for himself hey actually there is something to a, worth living for so i'm going to go back and i'm going to try and fix things instead the decisions made for him he's knocked out and then everything is just sort of presented to him as in hey look yeah there is all good stuff here oh okay i was right and i'm like ah it just cheapened it and that it's a really sweet ending because you know you bring back the Marion character, they have their cute little exchange from that first movie. It's all very nice. Sal is back again. You know, he's there visiting with his kids, and it's like, oh yeah, him again, and he's singing, and it's like cool. And you know, John Williams' score. It's all. I'm like, oh, this is very sweet. But how we got here? It's making me twitch. I'm like, I don't it know. Works. It's just annoying. It, okay, it works for me. It does work for me. I said before, some people might make comparisons to Helena as being indie lights. It was a very Indiana Jones thing of her to do, to okay, yep. step up, 
make the decision for him. And, you know, they do find ways to redeem this character. I mean, Marion is in this movie because of her. She's the one that brings her to the apartment. You mentioned Last Crusade. Indy didn't come to that decision by himself to let it go. He wanted to keep trying for it. It was reconnecting to with his dad. And his dad's saying, you know, Junior, like, let it go. And yeah, he, he got he that help. Makes the choice. I mean, he his dad help, didn't yeah. punch him in the face, but he's that, but that older, he's stubborn, get off my lawn, Indiana Jones. <laughs> so he, for him, like, Indy was at a point, and I think we can both agree that he wasn't right in, in thinking so, is that he's done. He's got nothing to contribute whether it's professionally emotionally like in life there is nothing for him back in the present day is going to stay in the past you know he's dreamt of this time period you know he's an archaeologist and all of this there's nothing for him to go back for and helena was seeing for him that actually there is and she was going to help him get there. And she was having to think fast as well because she had to quickly get back in the plane, get back to the present day, punches him. He wakes up, but then he's reunited with Marion. And you're right, you got the Williams score. And honestly, I didn't know that Marion was even going to be in the movie. It was great seeing Karen Allen again, just like it was seeing her again in Crystal Skull. She's in it. A couple of days after the movie was released, they put out an official character poster for her. But when I watched, yeah. I didn't know she was actually going to see it or be in it. So it was a great moment. And, and I feel like they do find ways to, to redeem Helena. But I do get what you're saying. He has made choices for himself and he's made the right choices, but they're not just telling the same story over and over. And this is a different indie. Although we get young-looking, old-sounding indie in the beginning, where he is in this film in the 80s is just a different point in his life. But it's so good that he actually does get a happy ending. I'm so glad that they were that they were kissing, just two old people <laughs> kissing. It was really sweet to see. It was good to see. Yeah. And again, that got his... back to that. It's happy ending. That's kind of yeah, but it's. I feel like we've had three happy endings now. Last Crusade, (laughs) Crystal Skull. Let let's let's just let him be now. We've had five films. We don't need like because if they do another one, are you saying here on record you cannot handle more than three happy endings? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) What I'm saying (laughs) is that if they do a sixth film, the only way they would do that is by having Marion dead. That is the only way <laughs> they would do it because they they took his son away in this film. They would take his wife away in, in the next film. But let's talk about some nice things. You mentioned John Williams, long-time franchise composer. It was great having him back. So you've got the sound of Indiana Jones. I'm not sure if you noticed, but with the posters... They didn't just like Photoshop multiple heads on a poster. Like they did get an illustrator. And for this film, it is Tony Stella. Because back in 2019, Drew Struzan retired and he'd done the previous posters. But it was good seeing an old fashioned 
poster for this final Indiana Jones film? That's the most positive. <laughs> hey, there's one. Um, we'll go into a rating in just a sec, but there's one character. Oh, yes. Um, what is her name? Where oh, no. I thought you were going to talk about another character. Okay, let's let's do her, hey, whoever she is. What, what character were you talking about? I thought you were going the to mention one? John Reese Davis as Salah. You know, from Raiders. He was in oh, Last yeah, Crusade. Hey, look, I mentioned that he was there in the last in the last scene, but um, yes. <laughs> but he's in the movie, and you know, it, it did it didn't land for me. Like I like that he was there for Indy. Like he you know, comes to his aid during the film. That is their relationship. And then you're right, he's in the apartment at the end. But a classic line from the movies is him saying, it's in the trailers, but they couldn't shorten the trailers, and it's the better version of it. Give him hell, Indiana Jones. And And then he almost gets run over by a... Yeah, and then Indy turns around, he's a bit embarrassed, (laughs) and it's a gag. I'm like, oh... I like the callback. I would have liked it to have been a callback, but a cool line. Whereas they turn it into a gag in this one, where it's kind of like, you know, they're both older now. Like they're not as cool as they were. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. But do you know what? I, the scene's forgiven because overlaying that was the slower, quieter Indiana Jones Raiders mark. Just playing, which is nice. But do you know what I mean, which, though? I don't like, know. I just taken just really. They've taken a cool line from an earlier yeah, film, no, I get that. I get and then that. they turned it into a gag. But it's okay. You know, I said when I walked out of this movie, I know we were close to our rating. That I just got home and I just didn't know. I didn't know how I felt, but honestly, like the first chance I get looking at you, Disney Plus, as soon as it's made available to watch at home, straight away, I'm going to dive back in and watch it again. I definitely do want to watch it again and then see how I feel. And then I'll make the decision. As far as I'm concerned, is there five Indiana Jones films or is there three? But I'll need a second viewing because (laughs) honestly, I could be happy enough, more than happy even, with. Raiders, Temple of Doom, Last Crusade. That could be my Indiana Jones experience moving forward. But now I've seen Dial of Destiny, which the whole movie I was waiting for somebody to say. You know, they said the title of the movie. Oh, they said the thing. They never do because it's got a different name. The Acra something A. So that's what but whatever they call it. They referred to it as a they did refer to it as the dial at some point. Yeah, but they don't say dial of destiny. Yeah, but they don't say dial of destiny. They don't say the whole anyway. The point being this is the film that I want to see again. But you were gonna mention a character though, a a woman. Who was that? Um yeah, like one of the CIA agents. Um yes. Now look, this is in praising her, I'm also going to once again just bag Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character. And again, not bagging Phoebe herself, which is great. She's, she's, doing a good, she's doing a good thing in this movie. Like, she's performing well. She's great the action. She's, the performance is good. What I would have liked to say, again, I mentioned, you know, like they kind of just throw in this character that kind of came from nowhere. Again, another ca- uh, daughter of another character we never heard of. Instead of trying to sort of recreate, you know, they had 
an estranged, well, not an estranged, a son he didn't know about in, in the previous movie. This is an estranged goddaughter, you know, that kind of father figure kind of relationship thing. Rather than kind of doing that again, I was thinking maybe as a companion, it would have been fun to have that CIA operative character be the companion. They had the same person goal that they were trying to achieve. I did it like her a- as a character. She yeah. was a cool character. And you know, short lived, sure, yes, yeah, she, she was in it until she wasn't. And and again, you know, Boyd Holbrook's character, like he was just gun happy, and she was like, What are you doing? Like, no, like, you know, yeah. you're going about this all wrong. So I did, yeah, I did like her as a character. Her whole, like, like, her whole character, the hair, the, the costume, and stuff, again, the look, like, yeah, like she looked that. great, yeah, like she was ready for the 70s like she was like i'm ready for this decade to start like let's go yes yes she was that would have just been interesting to have her and indy just as a but again it would have been a different movie just uh you know just some final points on if some thoughts of a different direction they could have gone in that or bring back short round many years later oh yeah them do another that would have been cool. I mean, hey, he's uh, he's acting again. You know, we've got this whole time. Oscar I know there's been, <laughs> yes, there's been a lot. There's been a lot of things to discuss. To the point, we would not mention the fact that, by the way, Antonio Banderas is in this movie. Oh my god, he is! <laughs> I mean, he's in and out yes, of it. He is. And they they have worked together before. Him and Harrison Ford were both in. Well, actually, I don't know if they had screen time together, but they were both in The Expendables Three. There you go. Okay, right. Oh, I was I was like, where? 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 That's the film they've okay. done. But now it's been a while since I've seen the third one. Did they have screen time together? But yeah, Antonio Banderas, you know, he's like, hey, you don't know me, but I'm a friend of Indy. You know, we've known each other for a long time. It's Again, another character where it's like, because when I, I didn't realize it was Antonio Banderas at first, it wasn't until maybe like the second time he was on screen this week. And I was like, ah, oh, it's Banderas. Like, hey, Is he even on the posters? He's on the posters. Wild. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I stayed away from. Him, but when you first introduced him, and I was like, I was like, is he a character from one of the previous movies? And I'm like, I don't think so. I don't think so. Who is he? Again, just another. I mean, I get it. He's had a lot of adventures. He's lived many years. He has lots of friends. I get it. It's fine. It's fine. It's believable. Yeah, but it still, is. Yeah. I don't know. Bring back some characters. Like, come on, no, it's just really. <laughs> well, they they do. Sometimes they I'm keep... like, sometimes they... I'm like, too much nostalgia. Too much. No, but the they're bringing like, back. Nah, give yeah. me a little bit more. Yeah, but they are. They're bringing back Salah. They're bringing back uh, Marion. Marion. Yeah, they're yeah, bringing characters great. back. Honestly, no, they didn't bring back Mutt. No, no, no. whatever. Um, we do need they to get to, to our. We yes, the rating. Okay. We need to get to the rating, but what? Well, just one more thing on Antonio Madaris. Like, whenever I see him, whenever, whenever. I see him in a modern film as recent as this one. I think to myself, this guy has one more Zorro film left in him. Come on, <laughs> complete the trilogy. I mean, look, if Harrison Ford gave us one more Indiana Jones, even yes, if sure. it's like the mask of Zorro, Anthony Hopkins passing on the mantle to a new Zorro. Anyway, I, I think it every time, like the guy looks good, <laughs> he's in shape. Give him. Let's give him a trilogy. Put the rating. I think we should probably. Sure. Yeah. 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 Well, what would look? You're the you are the bigger of the Indiana Jones fans between the two of us. What do you give this fifth? And let's just look, it's got to be the final one. Sure. At least with how it has to be the final. It's interesting, final right? If if you were to look on Rotten Tomatoes, it is. 
like if you're looking at the critic score, it's rated at the bottom of the five Indiana Jones films, which it, it is it is a tough one. I mean, I don't even know. I mean, the ratings would be a hard thing to do. I mean, you'd have to have the top three being the first three. Some people really <laughs> love Last Crusade. <laughs> Some people love Raiders. But then as a kid, I really enjoyed Temple of Doom, but I guess you could see yourself on screen in short round. But I'm just surprised. There's so much negativity that I'm seeing online for this film. There is a lot of negativity, which is which is odd because, you know, again, I walked out of the, the screening and I'm like, I really don't know how I feel because, you know, I, you know, I was getting hyped up by, you know, the trailers look fantastic and just seeing Indy on the big screen one more time. And I walked out of it. I thought, I just don't know. But at no point did I think, well, that was a bad film. Like it wasn't like the parts are all there and they're working well for the most part. It's just, yeah. Anyway, you, you know, I, I feel very strongly about this character. So very much looking forward to watching it a second time, but I can't. Ah, oh, right. Um, the number I'm going to give is not the original number, but because of, I mean, it is a very well-made film and it's definitely one to recommend. I'm going to come in a lot higher than I, than I thought I would have done, to be honest, but I'm going to come in at a four out of five because it is a Indiana Jones film. You've got the globe trotting, you've got the whip, the fedora, like the stunts, the train, the horse. It is a really, really fun movie. Yeah, I'm going to come in at four out of five. What about yourself? I mean, look, if this, if this movie had dinosaurs in it, I guess it does have one, but no, no. If it had dinosaurs in it, five out of five. Um, but it doesn't, so... Yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that. Um, I thought that joke would land. Um, again, first indie film on the big screen for me. And hey, when I walked out of the movie, I was like, that was worth watching on the big screen. Like, I had a good time. And that's it. Like, this movie is fun. It looks good. The performances are good. Like, I'm having a good I had a good time watching it. Um, I'll be happy, like you said. Like, I'll be happy to go back and watch it again. Now I'll, I'll wait for Disney Plus time, but I'll, you know when it when it eventually comes out again, I'll give it a time. But I'll you know I'll watch it again. I've obviously got stuff to pick and flaws, and my thoughts are very much there about things and stuff that didn't work for me or annoyed me greatly. But overall, look, having a good time with it. Um, again, the the major issues I have still are with just how that ending happened. And, and all the mechanics to it but again like everything leading up to that is just really fun that, that opening sequence fantastic i do feel like this is if anything look this is better than that fourth one and that's that's all we can ask for right um i might even say for me personally i probably i, I probably enjoyed this more than like the second and people will send me hate mail but maybe more than the first one as well i just said i enjoyed it more i didn't say it's a better movie than it right and i really like the third i really like the third movie i I find like that one is like peak it just hit me on all sorts of levels i don't know the dad thing i don't know what else um there's (laughs) there's stuff there um but no this is this is good Uh, it's a it's a good movie 
but I can't come in as strongly to you. I thought I had a few more points to, to lay out, but I'll leave it at that. Um, 3.5 for me. So again, like, I think it's worth a watch. I've got issues. I'll get over them. It's fine. Uh, I'm surprised how, look, I'm, I'm surprised how to actually end. And hey, even though this movie was pretty long, I kind of was looking forward to like a bit of just like time travel shenanigans with like <laughs> they're just jumping through different fissures in time. And it's like, and I didn't know where they were going to land when they were like, the coordinations are wrong. Like, where are you? And I was like, are they going to come to like our time? <laughs> like they fly through and it's all like, no, oh, that would have been, yeah, that would have been, been different. wacky. Yeah, oh, look no, at the, the look at oh, the dinosaurs. runtime. Oh, dinosaurs! <laughs> Come on. I was looking at the runtime before I watched it, and Three it was like a whole new trilogy. They could do a whole time <laughs> travel trilogy thing. Two and a half hours for the runtime, and some. I mean, come on, like some movies, but well, a lot of movies nowadays they do run longer than they need to. But the idea of spending two and a half hours more, like with with Indiana Jones, like. The runtime was absolutely fine, and it was great spending more time with him and in his world. But not all movies need to be this long. I think Mission Impossible, <laughs> Dead Reckoning Part 1 is also going to be this long, and that's okay too. So maybe just movies that I want to see and enjoy are okay well, to be overly long. It's all about, we'll, we'll consult with you first, and then we'll go for it but that's it for our review of indiana jones and the dial of destiny if you haven't already check out our other shows rewind and review and sounds like comics each of those shows also have their own facebook pages and if you missed it be sure to check out our recent reviews of spider-man across the spider-verse and the flash and stay tuned for our upcoming review of mission impossible dead reckoning part one and I just, I, well, I can't wait. That's that's my end. I really can't wait to see that <laughs> movie. I can't wait. <laughs> All right. You've been listening to Jason. And you've been listening to Luke. We're the guys from that film studio. We'll see you soon. Bye.